Hello and welcome to 9394, a music podcast. I am your one and only host, Travis Roy. Around here we celebrate Arrested Musical Development, and the album that we're looking back on this week is 1993's Pennywise album, Unknown Road. I have with me a guy I've never met in person. I'm going to call him friend of the show, Joe Lowry. Definitely really appreciate him coming on. He reached out after hearing my regular uh, cajoling, begging, the segment at the end where I like beseech people to please come onto my show. He reached out. He had mercy on me. I appreciate it. So here's me and Joe talking about this classic punk rock album from this seminal punk rock band. So here we go. Hey, listen, people, I'd like to say, a million minds have a choice of ages to walk this way. So when it's time to make your decision true, remember who it is you're fighting for, it's you. No one can tell you how you should feel inside. What's right or wrong is a choice you make up in your own mind. Think you should hurry, well, you got time. No matter what the case may be, you can't demand. You can't demand. Hello? Hey, Travis. Hi, Joe. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. Nice to sort of formally meet you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right on, man. Well, should we uh, hop right into it? If you want to go right into it, I'm ready to go right into it. Let's do it. Cool. Awesome. All right. Um, well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate you doing it. I feel kind of like I know you a little bit already because, <laughs> well, actually, I always start the show with the guest telling people how we know one another. So yeah. tell the listeners how you and I know one another, Joe. Yeah. So I kind of came to know Travis through a circuitous route of <laughs> um, the Michael Govier experience, <laughs> which is quite an experience. If any of you know uh, Mr. Govier. So, you know, I played fantasy baseball. I produce um, content in uh, the kind of the baseball world, mostly focused around um, baseball cards, but, you know, prospects and scouting and that type of stuff. And so just kind of by force of nature, the Palazzo podcast kind of entered into the sphere of knowledge here. And, you know, so I I enjoy it. I started listening to the Palazzo podcast quite a bit. And eventually, at some point in the Palazzo Discord, Govier posted a... uh, a link to other podcasts. I'm like, dude, you do other podcasts? You know, Mm -hmm. you don't let us know enough on the Palazzo side that you do that. He does tend to do a cross-pollination kind of in his other podcast saying, check this out, check that out, but not so much in the Palazzo side. So um, you got to work on him there, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So He's a work in progress, just like all of us, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, he posted a link to, is it safe actually? So I started listening to Is It Safe? And so this was probably in the spring, you know, April, May-ish, some point. And mm-hmm. um, you would actually 
guest hosted on one of those. Okay. So that was actually the first time I heard you was you guest hosting on, on Is It Safe and giving, you know, Luca a really hard time, which was awesome. <laughs> which he <So>, appreciated. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and Luke's awesome. Yeah, he's the best. I loved your lag wagon episode with him. Thank you. That was great. I love that album. I know you guys were kind yes. of talking about Haas as kind of one of their big albums, but man, I listened to that album so much, you know, just around that time, the mid nineties lag wagon stuff was, you know, just part of my punk experience. Yeah. Just learning all about it and hearing all that stuff. Then he, like I said, he started cross pollinating the information in the, is it safe podcast and you being there saying, check out cinema nine. So I checked out cinema nine and, and I really like what you guys do over there. Thank you. So yeah, I started going through the backlog there and then you started mentioning your music podcast and it took me a while to figure out how to find it because I'm, you know, that should I put in the apostrophe before the 93 or not to search it out. So it was a, you know, whatever, 15 minutes of, of Googling. I've always been really good at hamstringing my efforts at self-promotion. Uh, <laughs> how awkward can I make this podcast title difficult to find? Yeah. I'm glad you found it. And yeah, I feel a little bit like I know you because you're a prolific letter writer into these yeah. podcasts. You've written into Mike's show, uh, Is It Safe? quite a bit. I actually don't mm -hmm. listen to his Palazzo podcast because I don't really follow baseball. So yeah, it's like yeah. a mystery to me. But yeah, you write into that show and you've written into Cinema 9 a few times. So it's nice to actually like put name to face and, and get to meet you in person. Do you have a podcast of your own as well? I do. I do a podcast. Um, it's called The Local Card Pod. In the baseball card world, your shops that you go to typically are called local card shops. So mm -hmm. we, we kind of made a play off that. It's in the Prospects Live podcast feed. You know, search out Prospects Live. You can search out uh, my name, Joe Lowry, or at Jayhook on Twitter. You'll come across it. But it's heavily, you know, baseball card focused. So you got to be into it for it to be of any interest to you. Sure. Uh, it also sounds easy to find. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so punk rock and baseball, you would have fit right into our uh, friends group here in Michigan, but you're on the West Coast. Are you in L.A. proper or are you like just kind of in southern L.A.? Where are you at? I'm in the, the northwest suburbs. Uh, it's a suburb called Simi Valley, which... I've heard of it. Yeah, most people have heard of it because of the Rodney King stuff. <laughs> yep. This is where the trial was moved to, was Simi Valley. Oh, and if you remember the outcome, there's a reason why, because Simi Valley tends to be heavily conservative, right-wing leaning. Mm. We have a lot of flags flying on trucks as you drive around town. It's not necessarily my way of thinking, but that's where uh, my wife was born and raised um, okay. before all that kind of stuff really came to fruition. And, you know, the other thing it's known for is Reagan and the Reagan Library is out here, too. So you oh, can right. see kind of how those dots connect, right? Yes, there's a strong conservative side to California. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't seem to know that necessarily, but yes. there's enclaves and it sounds like you're rooted mm -hmm. into one of them. And it's funny you mentioned uh, Rodney King already, because we'll certainly have mm -hmm. to get into that again in talking yep. about this album. Which album are you here to talk about today with us? I'm here to talk about Unknown Road by Pennywise. It's, you know, a classic, classic punk rock album. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Pennywise is one of the core punk rock bands of, of the 90s, for sure. Yep. They're very much, uh, you know, they're South Bay legends. They're from that mm -hmm. special kind of like punk rock royalty area. They felt like one of the first steps forward in like the new wave or like, I guess, third or fourth wave of punk, whatever yeah. it was, the lag wagon era, the bad yep. religion era. So yeah, there were definitely someone I got into because of my older brother 
he was a skater so he got the first album right away and was all about mm-hmm. that and that kind of stuff so he was my plug in to this band as well as some of my friends got really into him too do you remember how you got into this album I do. So I actually grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, suburbs mm-hmm. of San Jose. And so I was inundated. in. And so I'm a couple years older than you, Travis, but not mm-hmm. by much. I was born in 78. So I was okay. in high school from 92 to 96. And it was, you know, originally, I'm the older brother. So I didn't have somebody to kind of show me the way. So it was my friend's group and my parents just listened to pop and sure. whatever right classic rock but i didn't even really get exposed to that because my dad was most of this into motown by the time he had me that's not bad because you know he'd given up smoking the weed so he was no longer <laughs> listening to to you know zeppelin and cream right. and, and all that stuff so just my friends group was pop and then eventually the wave of gangster rap kind of took us over mm-hmm. and so i was just listening to that when all of this came out and eventually in 96, I went down to UC San Diego for college mm-hmm. and ended up in a situation where my freshman roommate um, had a good friend who was just super into punk music. We spent a ton of time with him and he just you know, taught me the ropes and yeah. showed me everything. And so that was my education was essentially September of 1996, my freshman year, just what is this music? You know, I had known grunge. Mm-hmm. At the end of my high school kind of life, I started hanging out with people that knew grunge, but punk rock was just completely off the radar, except for what got played on the radio, right? Which for me was Green Day and Offspring, right? Yeah. And that was about it. And that wasn't kind of this true skate punk, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, that was, I mean, especially because it was on the radio, it just kind of automatically did whatever to it. Like, you know, everyone else likes it, so it must be less pure punk, which isn't really true. But at the same time, yeah, I think I'm really lucky to have had my older brother get into this stuff so young. And then it was like a force of nature in my life because my brother was really into it. And then my friends group, including Mike Govier and Luke Horlbeck and some other people, they really got into it too. And I was in a band at the time and like the people I was in a band with, we're like, okay, we're, we're becoming a punk band now. And I was like, oh, okay, we're a punk band now. I can roll with this. Because I was already into like Face to Face and some other yep. bands that kind of on my own. This is one of those albums that to me, Unknown Road, God, I had not listened to it in so long. It feels really imprinted on me though, because it felt like mm-hmm. a punk rock fever dream to like re-dig into it. Because I've done this thing, I don't know if you've done this, maybe you're more of a punk rocker than me. As I've gotten older, you know, certain genres that I've, waded through especially my earlier years where i spent a bunch of time in that genre then moved on to something else there's like three or four albums that i'll pluck whenever i'm in the mood for that so i'll put on you know i'll put on punk and drublick or against the grain Mm -hmm. or hoss Mm -hmm. or something like that maybe generator and that's pretty much what i've been doing for the past 15 20 years if i feel like listening to punk so i've not listened to this since the fucking 90s and i was surprised at how much i still remembered all of it how much i was able to sing along with it it's like oh yeah this is like a ghost from punk rock past yeah, no, totally. I've also kind of had the same experience. Mm. I don't listen to punk rock very often anymore. And when I do, it's going back to primarily the core Pennywise albums for me. Okay. Unknown Road, About Time, Full Circle. Yep. And then I love Live at the Key Club because that kind of touches on a lot of those albums and, and I get to hear them live. It's interesting with the Live at the Key Club. They sent out an email 
to their mailing list to we're going to put together a greatest hits album what do you want to be on the album and mm-hmm. pretty much everyone said no we want a live album <laughs> that's what they did instead. that's how that album got made or cool. why it was put out and yeah it's one of my favorites and you know look there's a book that jim the lead singer of pennywise wrote called punk rock dad yeah and then that transitioned into a movie called uh, the other f word which you know is standing for fatherhood yeah. Right, and I'm sure it doesn't have the exact same impact on you because you know you're a single guy without kids. But for me, it really, really captures my journey too. Where it's just yeah. like you're in your teens, in your twenties, you're just like you know I'm not going to listen to anyone else. I'm going to do the things I want. I'm not going to do what society's telling me. Mm-hmm. Time is fleeting, and I'm not thinking about the future. Right, and, and and then you suddenly go, well, now I've got a wife and a kid i need to pay my mortgage or my rent i need health insurance mm-hmm. i need all that stuff and it's really like you're integrating into society all the, the things that punk rock rebels against and, and suddenly you're <laughs> like i enjoy the songs and the themes and everything but it doesn't hold the immediacy that it did when i was enjoying that music so for me now it's you know i throw that stuff on for nostalgia and i throw that stuff on you know honestly when i'm like need that artificial adrenaline shot when I'm working out. That's about it, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's good workout music for sure. It does kind of give you that rush of energy that it did like in our childhood or like younger, you know, not not childhood, childhood, but like teen years and early 20s and that kind of stuff for sure. How about, can you pick a favorite song from this album that you love so much? It's tough. You know, I I love so many of them, but I think I have to go with with the title track, you know, song number one, Unknown Road. funny there's about half these songs have alternative names because just back then the uh printing of the cds and the and the vinyl and the tapes were kind of a mess um as they were trying to figure it all out so on vinyl you also see it referred to as the unknown road okay one of the first poems i ever remember learning about in school was literally the road not taken by robert frost Mm -hmm. and in the liner notes they actually quote that right before they put the lyrics right Oh. The quote is, you know, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Mm-hmm. And my dad's a chemist, and I ended up getting a degree in Spanish language. Um, okay. And everyone was like, you're going to be a mathematician or a scientist coming out of high school. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to have fun. Yeah. And that's part of that punk rock ethos. I got into college, I'm just like, I'm not here to work hard. I'm here to have fun, for better or worse. <laughs> It does touch on some of the standard themes, right, in this album. There's a few songs that diverge from that, but again, it's the not listening to what society tells you, kind of taking the path less traveled, you Mm -hmm. know, and honestly, in a lot of music that's got whatever it is, rock or punk or rap even, Mm -hmm. that's got like strings or a piano in it, 
I'm a sucker for it. You got me. You, you know, you pulled me in. Yeah. You, darn it. I, I wasn't prepared for that. And it pulls me in. And I love that little piano intro to the song. It's such a great intro to the album, too. Yeah. It does just set you up and pull you in. This is a serious punk rock album. This isn't like a goofy, mm-hmm. like, hey, let's sing about beer kind of album. This is like, right. we've got some serious issues to discuss here. Society, adulthood, politics, urban issues, all this stuff's going to come up. So it does kind of make sense for it to come so hard so fast at you, but also with this melodic thing going on to it. In revisiting the album for me, I had to pick for my favorite song on this album. I thought I was going to say Homesick, but I ended up going with Time to Burn. indicative of what really works about this band and this album for me is i'm a sucker for simplicity but when it comes to punk rock in particular i'm usually not that because it can be so simple you know i'm never i was never really Mm -hmm. into like the lookout records kind of like or screech and weasel kind of punk where it's just like super simple but this has a real simplicity to it but you have all of these intricacies going on with the stops and time signature change. Well, not time, but like the breaks and like the breakdowns and that kind of stuff. And with the solo work of the guitarist, and then of course Jim's vocals and this in particular, he really just soars. They always get these comparisons to Bad Religion, and in some cases, rightly so. But there's no punk band that does vocally quite what he does on this. I mean, generally, but especially with this song, it's like it's almost Smoking Popes, which I was never a fan. But it's like it stops short of being like hokey. And it's just instead like really melodic and really, I don't know, it's unique. I love it. Yeah, it's a great song. And it's funny. Um, Pennywise, another reason why they're kind of, for me personally, the primary punk band that I love. And I love a lot of punk bands, but Mm -hmm. it's the bond that it built with my brother and I. In 98 or so, I transferred up to San Francisco State to kind of go back for many reasons to the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And my brother, who was... 12 at the time maybe 13 he hit me up and he's like dude i just played this game top skater and it's got all these it's just all pennywise songs who who are these guys <laughs> and so i gave him my unknown road and my about time albums awesome. and said you know start your education here you go yeah. and so he's even more of a pennywise fan than i am but we love talking pennywise he's got literally on his back in old english unknown road tattooed from one shoulder to the next on his back oh wow and he's been to a ton more pennywise shows than i have and so when we were talking about this uh i said dude who is doing that kind of spoken word on time to burn it kind of sounds like jim but i'm not really sure Mm-hmm. He asked Jim on on his Instagram and, and Jim re- responded and he's just basically like, yeah, I was just kind of channeling my inner Southern Baptist or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was him. Yeah. Because there's other songs, especially the last song, um, what's it called? Clear Your Mind, where mm-hmm. there's radio and like TV yeah. kind yep. of coming in. I did kind of suspect that was like his own little tirade. Yeah. And it's interesting too, you know, Jim wasn't even here for the kind of conception of this album, right? Mm-hmm he had kind of left the band right for the first time yeah for the first time of twice right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and so jason 
the bass player, Jason Thirsk, he had written, mm-hmm. I think, the majority of this. Pennywise doesn't really credit who writes stuff, at least in the earlier days. Mm. And if you watch concerts, right, they'll often say, you know, Unknown Road, you know, written by Jason Thirsk, right? Oh. And so that's why I wasn't sure about Time to Burn. I'm like, that kind of, you know, spoken word thing sounds like Jim, but maybe it's Jason, I don't know what. So, hey, do you know? I asked my brother, Sean, do you know? And he's like, I don't know. He's <laughs> like, I don't know a bigger Pennywise fan. If you don't know, then <laughs> why not? Why not ask him on Instagram? And he responded. So that's cool. Went to the source. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So I am kind of curious about the lyric writing on this album because there isn't. All right. So getting into the whole post L.A. riots thing that's going on in this album, particularly the songs of Homesick and um or is it homesickness what's it called the homesickness so it's both that's what oh, i'm talking that's... about <laughs> no wonder i got confused <laughs> so generally it's referred to as homesick uh, my brother has a vinyl where it's called homesickness okay on the cd i have of unknown mm-hmm. road it does not have clear your mind listed oh but it's on the, on the cd what a clusterfuck i mean and on their spotify the, the song try to conform is listed as try to confirm exactly on epitaph's website it's the same. They listed as try to confirm. So they're all pulling from that same site for their remaster. And Spotify doesn't have the bonus song on it either, which is called Slow Down, which is kind of a secret song. And then there's another song. I think it's um, Dying to Know is actually called Savior on other pressings. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's all over the place. It is all over the place. The other post LA riot song is City to Burn, Yep. which, you know, I like that song, but... There's this lyric, like, what do you make of this? A mass of shadows, darkness usually hides animals out of their cage who will burn their environment without any shame. Like that's, um, that's, uh, that's a little, I don't know how I feel about that. It's like, what exactly are you getting at here? Now I understand I did not experience riots and they're clearly grappling with that in this album, but also there's like a couple of elements where it's like, that's a little. I don't know how I feel about that one. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's definitely left open to interpretation. I think it's saying to me that while we're all human, that we're all animals at our most basic level, and that when it comes to pure emotion, our baser instincts can come out, and the riots kind of showed that happening. Yeah. And they were attacking, you know, anything. It was, it was not focused on the true, as Luke would say, you know, the class warfare, <laughs> like, you know, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. You know, cause you think punk band, you kind of expect to be like, yeah, burn it down, fuck it up. Who gives yep. a shit? But there's this kind of urgency to the album about like, Hey, we got to keep it together. We got to hold things together in a way. And there are things I agree with very much in some of the lyrical content and some things where I'm like, Oh, that's, you sound like a scared white man, but yeah. um, you know, yep. it's easy for me to say, cause I didn't experience those riots. Yeah. Do you have a song on this album that you think is like underrated or at least for you was underrated? Yeah. You know, so it's tough. I set kind of like an artificial, it's really hard to know with albums that didn't get a ton of radio play, what is underrated, what's popular and whatnot. And and so I set myself kind of like an artificial bar of anything under a million plays on Spotify for that would be my bar. So because I asked my brother what his would be. And he said, it's up to me. And I'm like, yeah, that's on my list. And then I look at it and it's, you know, the fourth most played song on the album. Yeah. So for me, that's kind of not fitting the qualifications. So uh, the place I went was Vices. You never listen, you never know. Never the leader, you always follow. 
I just like the change up in lyrical content, and mm -hmm. it's still got that kind of. It can be played at a, at a Pennywise concert, and you can rock out to it. I don't know if Jason wrote this or not, but it's almost prescient with his mm -hmm. challenges with alcoholism and eventually taking his own life. Yeah, I just feel like it's got a strong message, right? Of yeah, your vices are ruining your life. You know, you're not thinking about the future. Why can't you see it? Mm -hmm. You know, acting like you want help, but you're still living high. You're not answering the door when we come by to help you. You know, mm -hmm. why won't you answer that door, right? That all really speaks strongly to me mm -hmm. throughout the generations, throughout my life. It's something I can look back on and look at those lyrics and say, yeah, that still holds value today as somebody mm -hmm. in, in their mid-40s that doesn't, you know, feel like it's disconnected from me like some of the other lyrics in these songs. Mm. And they're not a straight edge band. They never were that I know of. Nope. But there is, again, like a certain conservatism and not like right wing or like Republican conservatism. Just kind of like a, again, let's, let's not burn it all down. Let's conserve ourselves and let's save ourselves from ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I think if I had to pick a song from this album that reverberated the most over the years that I didn't forget about was actually Vices because it would be like the kind of song like if I was getting like too fucked up on a Friday night I might be like the Vices are ruining my life <laughs> like the kind of thing I might sing to myself yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. but a song that listening to this album that I had almost no recollection of let alone its lyrical content that I was like this is for me the underrated song and one of the things i like about this category is that it can mean something different to every guest and mm -hmm. so like for you you had like this very specific criteria and for me it's always just like what have i been underrating personally and i went with nothing life i was alone with my lead boots near to the floor Dancing the best that I can Sweet, took the pain away I saw a cold at the end of the line And so I started to pray I thought the scribe, I knew no one would answer me I had to trees while they grew towards the sun I had to clouds and they rained down bad luck on me Oh my God, oh why has that forsaken me? Because yeah, I love the love messaging in that song. Not every single thing about it do I agree with. Like, you know, I don't think that there's nothing. But I do really like the unflinching kind of no one knows. Don't fucking say you know. Nobody knows. You're full of shit. It definitely reminded me of why my brother probably loved this album. Because he was like a raging atheist from like, I don't know, the womb. So I really dig the lyrical content. And I like the way it's framed. And it's just really just a solid jam. It's just, it's just a cool song. I love the kind of like the existential mm. examination of why. Yeah. Why? You know, I love it. And Jim, I believe, does still hold some kind of Christian type mm -hmm. of beliefs. And you can tell in his lyrics, he's definitely exposed to it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I know it's even so much that he still is questioning it, right? I love that song, you know, definitely was on my list. And I really like that Jim, and again, whoever wrote these lyrics, I'm not really sure, but as a band, to compare them to Bad Religion again, because Mr. Brett and Greg Graffin write all the lyrics there, but so as a band, both of these bands deal with major issues, but Pennywise is not so hung up on being polysyllabic and like mm -hmm. having like these, you know, these $10 words. It's a lot more straightforward, and I find it in some ways more relatable because you're not like getting caught up on the verbiage. Now, got some explaining to do. I've got to come up with solutions in time before my future is through. 
Yeah, definitely easily digestible, no matter your education level, yeah. which is important, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not everybody's a PhD. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Slipping away. Now, I don't know about you. I had a really hard time picking a least good song on this album. Were you able to come up with one? Yeah. So, from a lyrical perspective, it was the bonus song, "Slow Down." Oh, okay. Which I didn't even hear. Yeah, no. So that was just basically like kind of the same old thing about not conforming to society, mm-hmm. but it was a much more about, you know, screw everything, screw responsibility. I'm going to live in the now and, you know, screw reality. And it just kind of struck me wrong now that it didn't. Mm-hmm. But for one that you have heard for me, I love the lyrical content, but the song doesn't really stand up for me in the overall scheme of of the album mm-hmm. and just being somebody that enjoys pennywise live and being at their concerts and listening to them is tester are actually relatively strong Mm -hmm. even though it's not true but i like the idea that all your problems are inside your head yeah but there's no part where it's just like a punch-up where i can just like sing that chorus right and it's not Mm -hmm. recognizable to me honestly when it was playing i'm like i don't i barely remember this song so to me it was kind of the weaker ones yeah we picked the same song because my general feeling was on this album there's like what 12 songs in this album maybe more how many songs 13 plus the bonus yeah yeah so and there's like four or five that are just immediately stand out they're just like really good standout songs and i felt like the rest were pretty much on the same level Mm -hmm. except for tester which just doesn't have that same punch it doesn't like you say just doesn't have that same hook to it to pull you in the way that pretty much every other song in this album does so I'm going to have to agree on that one. For sure. What song do you want to use to end this episode with? To me, it's got to be Homesick. Nice. Unknown Road and, and Homesick were the two songs off the top, and they both nailed it for me and just sucked me into this album so hard. Yeah. And then, again, the theme was more not the standard one, you know, not what, you know, eight of the 12, 13 songs was about, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's more about urban decay and, you know, why is our city like this? And, mm-hmm. you know, go capitalism. Shout out to Luke. <laughs> and, you know, love for how our city used to be. There's a bit of a nostalgia thing there, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't been back to San Francisco since 2007. And everything I hear about it, some of it's, I'm sure, a sensationalized. Yeah. But I have no desire to go back right now. And it was a city that I loved. Mm-hmm. And I know these guys were more talking about, you know, LA. But to me, again, that still holds that lyrical content still connects with me yeah and so that that was important and the other piece like i mentioned earlier was top skater you know <laughs> that arcade game was just amazing i played it so much my brother played it so much and it's all pennywise songs but it's spread across various albums and if you had asked me you know what song from the unknown road album is played on top skater it would be 
Homesick. That would be the one that I've been like, yeah, it's Homesick that's played on that album. Mm-hmm. There's also Dying to Know and Try to Conform on it, but I couldn't have told you that. And yeah. so just all of those pieces of the puzzle for me make me say, you know, that was my second choice for my favorite song. It was mine too. So for sure, that's the song I'd want to go out on. I think that's a great choice. Yeah, it's a great song and another one that really just stands out. It's a funny thing about punk albums, especially from this era, like there weren't really singles, you know, they're just ones that yeah. like the fans love the most. And I feel like Homesick and Dying to Know are like the big hits, if you will. seen them live yes yeah i've seen them i think only once and it was way back in the day do you have any stories any war stories about seeing pennywise oh yeah so that was really the first concert that i truly went to kind of on my own like as an adult i'm sure i saw random things growing up with the family you know going to the fair or something like that Mm -hmm. but going back to my college days and my buddies like the pennywise is playing we're going it's a little club in san diego called soma Mm-hmm. So it was the first time we'd gone, and, and it was maybe a thousand square feet or something. I mean, you, you get packed in there. The band that actually opened for them was uh, H2O. Oh, they're so good live. <laughs> and I'd never heard them. I didn't know what was coming. <laughs> a big circle pit. That's what came, right? <laughs> we're, we're standing next to the stage. I wasn't prepared. And suddenly, you know, they hit that first chord, and... I'm just smashed in my back going, I had no oh, idea. No. I was like, what is going on? And from <laughs> then on, we, we were just standing up front, in front of the pit, in the pit. Yeah. Listen to Pennywise there. It was an unreal experience. And then I told my brother, look, you know, many years later, if they're ever playing Soma again, we're going, you know, I'll buy us tickets. Just tell me when. Yeah. And then it happened sometime in the mid 2000s. So I bought tickets, we went, and apparently Soma moved. And oh. it was like this giant venue. I'm like, oh man, this is not the Soma. So I couldn't enjoy the show as much as I wanted because I was so let down by the venue. Mm-hmm. And the other times I saw him, I saw him 97 Warp Tour. Okay. And that was amazing. I saw him at the same stint. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. They played a Sublime song because Bradley had, had passed away and, mm-hmm. um, recently at that point, which was awesome. They did stand by me you know that they kind of did at various shows and, and they yeah. brought up people to sing it and some shows i hear it was terrible and this show they brought up like a 10 year old 11 year old kid and he <laughs> absolutely nailed it jim was just like stunned wow and then after the kid was done singing he's like i'll give you a choice you want to jump back you can just jump into the pit right now or you can come back and hang out with pennywise after the show and the crowd just like jump 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 and the kid didn't know what to do because he was just so young and and so he eventually was coerced into jumping into the crowd but then Jim's like, of course you can come back. Come back around. Come on, come hang out yeah. with us after the show. Wow. And my last one is funny. I was, as I was doing like a little bit of research, I had forgotten I went to the show uh-huh. until I saw somebody talking kind of about the downfall of skate punk or, or board sports punk, right? Yeah. Um, and, and he said one of the reasons for that was the rise of pop punk. 
with Blink-182, you know, and Good Charlotte and yeah. Newfound Glory, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about Newfound Glory in forever. Yeah. And I went to a Pennywise show in the mid 2000s at House of Blues, which is no longer there on Sunset in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. It was a great venue. I actually saw Bad Religion play there too, uh, and Strung Out and a few other bands. And and Newfound Glory was was the opener for Pennywise, which was a terrible choice, <laughs> especially in kind of the LA area yeah. um, where you're still getting a lot of the guys from Homerosa coming up and they just wanted nothing to do with And it was just the whole set. They were just yelling at Newfound Glory. They were chanting Pennywise, Pennywise. Uh -oh. And at one point, the singer just lost it. It's just like, you know what? Pennywise invited us. They wanted us here. So you guys <laughs> are going to just have to deal with it. You know, so kind of an ugly scene, but uh, that's too bad. Uh, yeah. This is the way to experience Pennywise, in my opinion. Now, they're still playing. They're a working punk band. That's for yeah. sure. They tour a ton. The experience is never going to be like it was back then when they were playing sure. in the 90s. But still, listening to them live, being in that experience is just amazing. I love it. <laughs> They've really just kept on cranking out albums too. Like while I was mm -hmm. off doing other things, they were just like exactly. every couple of years or so, just pumping out a new album all the way up until 2018 at this point. Yep. Have you listened to any of that stuff? Do you still keep up? I don't. You yeah. know, just like we were talking about earlier, we've kind of moved on from yeah. the genre at large and we just kind of go back to those touchstones. So yeah. it's foundational and that's important. Yeah. And even. You know, as they kind of went through the 2000s, they had their hits on, you know, Land of the Free and, uh, you know, they had that Alien song and you know, what, whatever it was, you know, F Authority, right? Mm -hmm. Those albums, I listened to the hits, the big songs and the rest of it just didn't stick with me. Gotcha. And so as time went on, like, it's just going to be worse and worse. I'm, you know, so I just didn't really keep up with it. No, nah, yeah, I feel you. There's not a lot of bands you can stick with their entire career. There's some special ones out there, but not a lot. So if you look at this album specifically, you see that Randy played the bass on all but two of the songs. What was Thirst playing? So this is when Jim originally left. Right. Right? So Jason was going to be the singer. Oh. Unconfirmed, but they say that Randy was Jason's bass teacher. And so that's how he got brought in. There's actually a show out there where they're playing in Hollywood and Jason's singing. Hmm. And... He's singing the Pennywise songs from the Pennywise album and yeah. from, you know, the EPs. He does a commendable job, but he's no Jim. Mm -hmm. I, I think they would have faded away if Jim, because that tone, that timbre, you kind of hit on it earlier from Jim is just, you know, one of the hallmarks of Pennywise. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing that I honestly had no idea about back in mm -hmm. the day, just because the internet was right. what it was, right? You just right. don't know those things. And looking back over this, I'm like, holy moly. And so that's why I think a lot of, you know, I'm assuming a lot of these lyrics are written by Jason because of that. Yeah. One other thing about the piano in Unknown Road. Let me go back to that. The Wikipedia says it's from the movie Poison Ivy or something like that. Oh. 
and it's unconfirmed. And my brother said he watched all the Poison Ivy looking for that piano and he couldn't find it. So <laughs> I doubt it's there. But in full circle, their album in 97, mm-hmm. uh, after Jason took his life, at the very end, they have like an almost 14 minute version of that piano. Yeah. And it's played by a guy named Ronnie King. Do you know who that is? No. He's worth a look up on, because I didn't know it either. He's worth a look on, on Wikipedia because his credits are wild. Um, and it's mostly like studio work, okay. playing keyboards. He's played keyboards for Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Slim Thug, UGK, Mariah Carey. He was playing keyboards on an Offspring tour, okay. no effects. He was an additional guitar player on one of the songs on the war on errorism for no effects. Keyboards for Rancid live on their tour, you know, the Pennywise Unknown Road on Full Circle, yeah. TSOL, Busy Bone, Casey and JoJo, Warren <sighs> G, Coolio. I mean, it's insane. It, He's got to be like an LA session player that just like yeah. knows everybody. Yeah, it, it was insane. I was just, because I, I was like, I love this piano and I know there's a track on Full Circle. So I went and listened to that full track and I just, I loved it. And it's actually funny. They credited on Wikipedia as freestyle piano. <laughs> he just took that little bit and he jammed on it, which is really cool. So yeah, there's a lot of fun things, you know, like your brother mentioned on the Bad Religion episode, Epitaph figured out that putting all of their music on, giving it to all these board sports videos yeah. would, you know, raise the profile of all of their artists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had already made a bunch of money off of Offspring's Smash album, right? More yeah. than they probably ever thought they were going to get. So they're just like, you know, it's publicity. We're looking for publicity rather than pure money and money grubbing right now. And and that was a huge deal for Pennywise. I mean, they truly became the band that was best known, you know, in all those board sports videos. And I was a snowboarder. Mm-hmm. So for me, I saw a ton of that. And I watched a ton of skate videos with my buddies because those were super popular too. At the time, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. And that's why Pennywise has, you look at their tours, they're always going to Australia. Why? Because of all those surf videos. They're super popular in Uh, Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that on Wikipedia that they're really big in Australia. That does explain it, all the surfing. And one last thing I wanted to mention about Jim's voice, because I I don't like my comparison to Smoking Popes. Maybe a better comparison would be like the Misfits or the Cult, Mm -hmm. where it's like this kind of like operatic punk almost thing that he's doing there. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. Uh, I was mentioning to another buddy that uh, I was diving into Pennywise and he's just like, yeah, that tone, that timbre that Jim has is just uniquely identifiable. You hear that yeah. and you know, right? It's, it's awesome. great. Yeah. All right. Well, so you have checked out my other podcast, Cinema 9. So you know mm-hmm. I like to talk about movies. Oh, yeah. Let's go back to the movies. This came out on August 17th of 1993. So uh, I've got nine movies here, like Cinema 9, mm-hmm. that were in theaters that weekend that you or I could have seen if we wanted to. Okay. Off the top of your head, do you have any guesses of what may have been out at that time? No clue. Okay. Well, (laughs) Jurassic Park, of course, was like in every theater. That was the one that came to my mind. Clever girl. (laughs) That's that's what I thought you were going to say. I was going to say it, but I'm like, I'm so bad with time. I don't know if I saw that. I know I saw it in the theaters, but I couldn't tell you if I was in junior high or high school when I saw that. That was one of those that came out in June of 93, but it just never left theaters. Right. So we, we probably could have seen that. Yep. The Fugitive. Remember that movie? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. That's a huge hit. I love it. That was out the weekend of August 17th of 93. Jason Goes to Hell. Friday the 13th, 9 was in Jeez. theaters. Yep. Classic. He's not in space yet, but still fun. <laughs> 
Rising Sun, speaking of Michael Crichton books oh, yeah. adapted into film. I never Wesley saw that Snipes one. and yeah, with, uh, Sean uh, Connery? I yeah, think? Sean Connery. I want to say Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, I got those names mixed up in my head. Uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer, which I oh, vaguely yeah. remember. Oh, yeah. Heart and Souls with Robert Downey Jr., where he had like four guardian angels tom sizemore was one of them and charles groden i don't <laughs> wow. know it was i remember it it was but that's kind of a deep cut yeah robin hood men in tights oh, yes. the mel brooks film right mm-hmm. secret garden which uh you know that was not something that men of our age would have been very interested in nope. and lastly free willy oh man yeah so which one if you if you got a time machine you can go back and see one of these movies in theaters which ones is it going to be only don't say jurassic park because that's an obvious option yeah, no, I mean, that's the movie to see in theaters of this group because of just the impact doesn't hold up right. as much when you're watching on your little 13-inch <laughs> at home. Yeah. But for, for me, it's easily The Fugitive, you know? It's yeah. just such a classic, so good. It's still rewatchable. If it's shown up on the TV guide as I'm as I'm scrolling through stuff and there's nothing else to watch, I'll throw it on. You know, yeah. Richard Kimball, you know, I, I will watch it. <laughs> It's funny to me that that movie is not better remembered because when that came out, like it seemed like it was a fucking juggernaut. It had a yeah. sequel, had a spinoff with U.S. Marshals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was like such a widely celebrated movie, and then now, just like I never ever hear anyone talk about it's it. True, yeah. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones was, you know, really kind of making his mark then too. And I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. I always love that. I know, right? Right? <laughs> just like the, the frank reality. I didn't kill my wife. Like, like, I don't care. I'm just doing my job. Get off this fucking thing and come here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on board and talking Pennywise with me. It's nice to formally meet you. Yeah. And you're definitely welcome to come back on 9394 if you got other stuff from the air that you want to talk about. Yeah. And hopefully I didn't ruin it for anybody else that takes Travis up on his offer of, hey, if you're, you know, friends or whatever, let me know. But even if you're not, hit me up on my email and, you know, (laughs) 9394pod.gmail.com and we can talk about albums that you like from that era. As far as I know, I'm the first person that Travis didn't truly, truly know that said, let's do this. This is true. I had one other person, like I had a, uh, another podcaster who I didn't know come on and we talked front 242. Uh-huh. Like you're the first person to actually like answer the call yeah. of like, hey, every episode, hey, strangers, please <laughs> come uh, aboard my sinking ship that will not float <laughs> if I don't have guests. Um, so I do appreciate you coming on for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Love being here. Thanks for having me. Hey. A big thank you to Joe Lowry for coming on to the show. He clearly had a lot to say about Pennywise, or definitely a big deal in his life. So it means a lot to me that he would come on here and share that with us. If you want to hear more from Joe, check out his podcast, The Local Card Pod, if you're into baseball cards or if you're into Joe. If you want to come on the show like he did, reach out to me at 9394podcast at gmail.com. If you're a Pennywise fan, I'd wager money that you like Strung Out.
Strung Out released their album Another Day in Paradise in 1994. Maybe you want to come on and talk about that album. Or maybe you want to come on and talk about some other album from 93, 94. I don't really care. I just need guests, you know. And if you don't want to come on the show yourself, maybe you know somebody in your life that would be a good fit for the show. You know, maybe you got a friend or a family member, somebody you know that loves music from this era and won't shut the fuck up about it like me. And uh, they could use, you know, a platform to blather safely on about some album they love. Send them my way. And if you want to help the show, one thing you can definitely do is share it with friends, rank, review, rate, do all that stuff on whatever, you know, whatever app you're using to listen to the podcast on. And uh, yeah, that's it. So thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Ninety-four, a music podcast with Travis Roy is a labor of love. It is not and never will be monetized. Please don't sue.